going to be a good night on the porch with CJ. It's going to be a two-parter college football. We'll kind of break it up into two, give you an opportunity to dive into it. We're going to start with the first game of the college football season, a Southland versus OVC co-champion showdown. Austin Payne, Central Arkansas was a pretty good one. Social distancing joke started early when they took it to the house. And then we had a game that came down to the final play. It was a really entertaining start to the college football season. We're going to talk about the herd. And as they open up the season on Saturday at 1 o'clock on ESPN for the entire country to see, it's going to be a thing of beauty, you hope, for Marshall. That'll start the Eastern Kentucky tour of the state as they'll start off in Huntington on Saturday. Then they'll make their way up to Morgantown the following week. Going to grab that bag and head back down to Eastern Kentucky um, after hopefully an 0-2 start uh, for East Kentucky and the teams in our great state of West Virginia will start 2-0. We're going to talk about the American, a couple sleepers, and uh, we'll probably end up getting into the Big Ten right before we get to part two of this podcast here with CJ. If it's in the morning, grab that coffee, do it Phil style. If it's in the evening, grab the drink and join us here on the porch. Can you hear me, kind sir? I can, my kind sir. Oh, uh, there we go. There we go. All right. All right. Cool, cool. So we'll, uh, I'll take it here in about three from the top, okay? Sounds good. Because I can edit this part out. All right, buddy. One, two, and three. How you doing there, kind sir? I'm pretty good. How about yourself? Right, dude, hanging in, man. Uh, football is uh, – Snuck the fuck up on me. I'll tell you that much right now. You know, it has me a little bit too. Uh, but you know what, man? It's that time of year. Uh, weather hopefully will start to change. It'll feel like fall and we can get some football. I mean, we technically have already had our first game. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's crazy. TJ, last night I'm sitting here, I'm watching Padres Rockies and I'm, you know, watching a bunch of baseball and the Pirates blow a lead umpire induced lead and you know and i'm walking in and boom turn on espn there's central arkansas and apps and austin pay and i'm like wow you know what and it was a pretty high quality decent game for fcs for an fcs team. It, it, it was minus the um official getting caught with a hot live mic <laughs> now, see, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I came in. I came in there. I don't know this. You're gonna have to clue us in on this uh, bit of that. But because I came in at about halftime, and it was 13 to 10. Now I saw the first play go 75 to the house, uh, and everybody got their social distancing jokes off on the uh, on the Central Arkansas defense. Um, and then after that, man, I mean, it was it was quality football. No, it was it was quality football, and I think it was on that first play. Um, referee running down the field, Mike was on, didn't realize it. He got caught over the loudspeaker saying, "Goddamn mask!" <laughs> <laughs> like, oh to, man, welcome to twenty twenty football. <coughs> wow, wow! I need a cough button. Um, anyway. Um, he needed he needed something to mute that. That's that's crazy. So I mean, it was it was interesting to watch um, the officials do their work yesterday. They, I guess they have now a, a button that they're using as their whistle 
that- yeah, yeah. I think I'm not sure if that's something that's gonna stay. To me, I don't. How does me, that I don't work? How do the yeah. players know? Yeah, and that's the thing. And that's the other thing I don't understand with it. If, as from my understanding, it's to be plugged in through the speaker system in the stadiums, um, which is kind of stupid because those things are already mic'd really to begin with. Hmm. Um, but I mean, the reason I don't understand it is is officials have their own mics anyhow. Um, so it's not right. like they're sharing those unless I, I'm not really sure unless they're thinking, um, cause I do know, uh, especially for televised games, uh, those things are mic'd. Um, they're mic'd normally anyhow, uh, just to give it a little extra oomph cause you know, right. you're on the field. It can be a little, little harder to hear. Uh, but with some of the especially technology, when you had 60,000 people in the stands, you know, but now this year, they should yeah. be able to hear them easily. Yeah, but for anybody who's ever hit one of those Fox 40 whistles, which is the standard, I mean, that's what they're using pretty much across sports, pro, right. college, high school. Oh, those, things are, little, yeah. those things are loud anyhow, um, and you can hit them pretty hard. Now, like I said, I they know – They hit if, a little bit different, CJ. You know what they, I mean? They do, and I do know in, you know, some, in, some, you know, in a lot of situations, they, I, they do have them somewhat mic to give them a little bit more of a oomph behind them to help the players here because – you know, those helmets on, oh man, they're not exactly the easiest things in the world to hear out of. So, True. yeah, I'm not really sure how that's going to work. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, man, but I'll I tell you what, though, like you just, you know, talking about with the whistles and the officials, you know, with their mask, and you got the official running down the field saying, damn mask. And that might be, yeah, and that's going to be the other thing, too. If they're wearing masks, I mean, obviously, you're not going to be able to put a whistle in your mouth and blow on it. So, I mean, they've got to come up with something different. Um, I just, I don't know. That one, to me, seems a little strange. And I, as an official, would hate to have to try and wear a mask and run up and down the field with it. And the thing I don't understand is is we're not making them do it in hockey, an enclosed arena. We're not making them do it in basketball, enclosed arena. The umpires in baseball are wearing them, but that's a little different. Um, right, right, right. The baseball umpires is definitely a little bit different because they're not as they're not going to be as audible. I mean, they're mostly their hand signs anyhow, um, and they're close enough to the players that you could still talk to it. the The, the football ones are a little different to me because you're a little more spaced out there. To me, that seems like that might be a little little crazier, but I can kind yeah. of understand it too to a point. You know, and so also talking about with the officials, 2020 difference. I mean, I saw some fans. Uh, looked like most of them had masks. Some of them had some cool little general Austin Pay mask that I saw and saw a girl without hers on, sitting beside a girl with one on. Uh, so they were kind of watching as they were getting ready to try and score. And great, great quality of game, though, too. Defensive struggle. Austin Pay comes out there and gets that touchdown at the end, that quarterback doubling as the punter, too. And they take the lead, and it's like, oh, closure purposes here, CJ. I had I took the over at halftime because I'm like, ah, eh, why the hell not? It's college football. Let's 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 go ahead and get back into it. The only way we know how, right? Exactly. And so uh, it was 38. Well, of course that those two touchdowns there at the end kind of brought it home. But man, I mean, it was it was crazy. I mean. It, you know. it was, and I and I think that's going to be a little bit of what you see. And, I'm, and and you use the word defensive struggle, and I'm not so sure I'd go that that far. I mean, that's what we're going to do. That's what you're going to have to call it, just to make it sound pretty. Um, but I think what you're going to see is with kind of the time off, um, 
There's no continuity in, in the offenses. I mean, yeah, you're, you're going to see. The, yeah. yeah, the offenses are going to be behind the defenses. I think the first probably two, three games, those first two, three weeks, they're going to start to see those start to click back up. Because unlike the pros, you know, these guys aren't in practice all day. Um, right, right. You know, you got classes getting ready to start. Well, have started back up. So unless they're not in classes and they're online, since they can take their money. I mean, however you want to look at that. Right. So, so I think <laughs> depending on see, what institution you're at, I guess. Right. So I think what you're going to see is I think you're going to see the first probably probably I'd say two three games you're going to see really offenses really kind of struggle, especially if you've got teams that have guys that are fairly new to the system um, struggle a little early on. Yeah. Well, I think, CJ, no, no better time to jump into the next topic than you're talking about guys, you know, struggling with the system early on and how are they going to look. Then let's go ahead and talk about the first game on a Saturday that if you're a college football fan, you have the opportunity to watch, and it's right here in Huntington in our own backyard. Mm-hmm. The Herd going against Eastern Kentucky, the opponent for the Mountaineers the following week. So kind of an opportunity for West Virginia fans to kind of scout out the uh, East Kentucky East Kentucky squad there a little bit. You have a freshman quarterback um, from George Washington getting the start. And I'm going to tell you this. Marshall typically, when they have a freshman quarterback, and he's a redshirt freshman, they tend to do pretty well. If you go back and look through the, through the last three to four, just off the top of my head, quarterbacks from Marshall that started as redshirt or true freshman, Raheem Cato, had a pretty good year, led him to a bowl. You had Chad Pennington back in the day, had a pretty good had a pretty good year. Now I think Leftwich was a redshirt sophomore when he got in one one eight games and made a bowl. Clinton who won ten games as a freshman. And I think these dot this dot group is more defensive oriented and running game now than even some of those guys, you know, the Pennington Arrows and Cato and those guys were before. So I don't necessarily think Marshall's going to have any problems in that opener with East Kentucky, but it'll be interesting to see how they move going forward. But I think they're going to be an interesting team to watch this year. Yeah, I think they're going to be an interesting team to watch. Uh, Like you said, I think there's going to be a lot of tune-in in in the state for that, uh, simply because your West Virginia fans are going to tune in to kind of get a look at Eastern Kentucky, see what they look like. See, I'm going to tell you, I think it's going to be a lot of tune-in nationwide for the herd and that's a great opportunity yeah, for them to yeah, showcase that is, program. Yeah, because it is college football and it's back and they're on yep. they're on national TV. Um mm-hmm. you know, but like you said, you got the kid from George Washington getting the start. Um I think he's he's the first in state kid to start at quarterback, I think since ninety five. Um so it, it's a for, for Marshall. Yeah. Right? Well I think in general, I don't think Western has ever had an in state kid uh, start at quarterback. wasn't wasn't Johnston a uh, in state kid? No, Chad was a PA kid. Okay, okay. Um, wow, that that that's that'd be an interesting trivia fact to go into. I'd I'd like to go into that and see kids that haven't started or have started from the. Uh, yeah, I know the, the I know the last one that did was '95, and it was at Marshall. Um, Z- so that would have been Matt Zabin or something to that effect. Okay, um, uh, and that that would have been the year before Marshall ends up coming back. No, I, that would have been. I, now that's interesting. You you bring this up, CJ. That 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 story there because I know that Pennington I think maybe took over in that season. Yeah, I think for him. Yeah, Pennington ended up taking over in that season. Yeah, um, yep. because the next year is Eric Cresser in the '96 team, which they go 15 and 0, and then boom, the next year they're Randy Moss and the boys 
and Pennington are coming up to Morgantown and playing Amos yeah. their way in the, in, in the Mountaineers. Mark Bolger as a young kid. Great. I still remember watching that over quarantine, the 97 game, a, a great one. Thought we were going to see that this year. We're obviously not. East Kentucky kind of had other plans, and they want to get a bunch of money coming into our state. Yeah. Um, I don't, <laughs> yeah, hey, man, get your money. I don't begrudge them. Hey, no, let me, let me ask you this, CJ. Let me ask you, CJ, because I don't, I don't know this. Um, and maybe you can clue me in here a little bit. What, what kind of – what are we going to get out of this kid here? Uh, you know, what – first of all, I mean, did you watch any of him at GW? Do you know anything? If you talk to people, you know, maybe it's some kids – I know you have a lot of connections with State and, and UC. Were they talking to the kid too? I mean, what's what's the deal here? Yeah, State and UC were were definitely talking to him. Um, as far as I know, Marshall was like the only one one A school uh, looking at mm-hmm. him. Um, I, I know John Pennington over at State wanted him badly. Um, obviously, just because you know he's a Valley kid um, and the kid can play. I mean, don't you know um, the kid's a very good player. Um, the interesting things for him is going to be he's got a he's got a good arm, um, makes smart decisions. Um, the, what I think what's going to, what he's going to have to get through those, that first drive, get the nerves, get the nerves out. Um, cause it's, it's going to be at home. You know, everybody like, it, it's not like, you know, Huntington and Charleston are separated by 300, you know, 300 miles, right. you know, it's right. close. He's going to, you know, there's going to be obviously, he's going to want to impress. He knows it's on national TV, you know, so you got to kind of fight through those nerves, get calmed down, get locked into the game and follow the game plan. That's going to be the big thing for him. I think early, just kind of get into that groove, um, which, you know, I mean, Doc staff's going to get him in, I think to an early flow. I think really what you want to do, um, they are, they are, should be a little more reliant on the run uh, until this kid oh, really kind of gets they, settled. And they, and they will be CJ. I mean, they're, yeah, they're and, running backs with, with Knox. I mean, he is, He's an absolute stud that came on there at the end of last year. Yeah, and, the I, herd. And, and, and they're going to be heavy on the run. They, they are, and scripting like you you hear coaches talk about it. You know, you always script that first you know seven eight plays coming out of each half, right? That that's going to be the important thing is is can they stay on script for those first seven to ten plays? That's going to be the key. And the question is going to be is is what do they do in those first seven to ten plays to get him? in a little bit of a rhythm, get him into a couple of quick throws, maybe get his confidence, let him get settled in, let him take a deep breath, let the game semi slow down for him enough to a point where, you know, okay, he's going to be all right. Cause it's going to take probably three or four weeks for the game to really slow down to where you want it. Well, but, but you know, CJ, something that I think is going to be interesting. And I think you're going to see it a lot over it. Of course, of everywhere in college football, not just this situation here with Marshall, with young kids is man they're going to be able to settle in a little easier i believe with the lack of fans in the crowd and you know it's going to be marshall's going to have some fans there um which i think it's going to be really interesting to see how that goes too um i think they're going to have what joan holds about i think 30 35,000 plus maybe i think 38 I think they're trying to aim for what eight to nine thousand in the stands. Yeah, yeah, it, it's going to be small. Um, and I was, I was a little shocked they didn't go West Virginia's route because West Virginia came out and said first game of the year, nobody. Um, right. And I think that's just, I think they want to kind of get through the first, first one, see what happens, see how it goes, and then obviously talk about it as it goes down. Um, yeah, you know. kind of get from there. Yeah, and yeah, Mister Mr. Wells, man, Mister Wells is going to be the Grant Wells is going to be the young man trying to uh, to take this 
and, and run with it for the herd in that open. I mean, he's six two, two ten, so kind of kind of uh, plays the kind of has the at least the measurables mm-hmm. of a Division one quarterback. Um, he does. I think. You know what? what the reality of it is, just TJ, where he went is, to school. Because well, if he went, I mean, if he was in a school in Kentucky or Virginia, PA, Ohio, he'd have been a big time recruit. Sad part is, is just you know we've we've talked about this before. Outside of the staffs in Morgantown and Huntington, I'm not so sure how many kids are getting really recruited in the state. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 not a there's not a ton of, of buzz nationwide. I mean, no, you coaches are coaches will go high and low. They'll go everywhere. Yeah, and co- find a kid. yeah I mean, coaches will go high and low. Um, I mean, but let, I mean, let's be real about it. The real the level last, of competition, the, the level of competition isn't, isn't isn't always there. I mean, you got to think about it. The last big recruit out of the state, skill position wise is is going to be Switzer. So I mean, you know, um you know, like I said, and I, this is going to be an opportunity if he, if he plays well is is maybe some of the other coaches around the country, some of the other scouts go, "Hey, you know what? Maybe maybe dumping into back into West Virginia more than we do is probably not a bad idea." I mean, especially for a skill position player, um, you know, quarterback, if you want to call it a skill position player, but I just find that very interesting, but but I will say CJ Marshall's going to be very, very heavy on the run. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Brendan Knox, who came on real, real strong there last year for the herd. Um, they still have some good receivers. That defense is is <clears throat> is the strength of that team. Doc Doc's going to put him in positions to where he he you know will be successful. I believe. Yeah. Especially I, in th- especially in this upcoming game uh, for them. Yeah, and I and I don't disagree with with that at all. The question is going to be really interesting to see and in I don't know if Eastern Kentucky's going to have the personnel to do this or not. Um some of the some of the schools Marshall will play will and that's to extremely heavy load the box and dare this kid to beat him. That's going to be oh. the interesting thing to see. Eastern Kentucky I'm probably like- doesn't have the personnel to do that. But you know, in conference, there's going to be some teams that that will have Ooh, the personnel to CJ, load that box it's up happen. And, and dare him. It, it's 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 not going to happen. It's going to happen before they get in the conference. I mean, Marshall Marshall has this opener here. They would have been playing in Greenville in kind of the plane crash uh, kind of memorial type game uh, that was supposed to actually be yesterday. As a matter of fact, uh, August 29th that week zero, but it got pushed back because of some stuff going on at ECU. And they kind of had some virus-related uh, issues as to why they're not playing it now on the 12th. But on the 19th, Marshall's welcoming in Appy State. And I'll tell you this much right now, I'm guaranteeing you that Appy State will have some guys that will down get down in there and load the box mm-hmm. and make the Wells kid beat them. So and that will be a homecoming for um, for Chris Clark, who is uh, a Charleston native, who's the App State's uh, head football coach now in his first year there. So that will be really interesting as we get to September 19th to kind of see – how that game goes. That'll be a one thirty kick that's on CBS Sports Network. So Marshall, you know, doing a good job. They're going to have more games on television this year than we would have originally probably thought. Yeah, um, and some of that I think is going to – and they're going to have an opportunity to really kind of showcase themselves. I mean, obviously with the Big Ten doing what they did, the Pac-12 doing what they did, you know, it obviously opened up some slots. Good for Marshall to find a way to get into those. Um, yep. Now you got to take advantage of it. Um, yeah, Marshall's going to be on CBS Sports Network this year against App State on the 19th. They're going to be um, on there when they go at Louisiana Tech on October 17th. Pretty good game. And then a home date with Middle Tennessee State on November 14th. Uh, they'll have games on Stadium versus Charlotte, Florida Atlantic without Lane. Now it'll be uh, Willie Taggart's crew. 
And then at West Kentucky is another uh, stadium game. They have Rice on ESPN Plus. So almost, you know, I, I kind of complained in the past about Marshall's lack of ability to get games on television. You had to go to Facebook to find them. Won't be the case this year. No, no, definitely will not be the case this year, but they'll have an opportunity to to do some things. And like I said, you know, now's now's the opportunity to to take advantage and, of it and, and, and make it play out for you. I'm pretty excited for them about that App State game. That's a really fun – that used to be a big rivalry back when both teams were in the now what we call FCS, but was back in the day the one double A. I mean, that was a playoff matchup, perennial playoff type of matchup. Jerry Moore was the longtime coach at App State, led those guys through. You had Marshall with Don and Pruitt. And, um, all those, and then they got to division, both got into Division 1A, and we haven't seen a matchup between the two teams. I think the last time they played was when Byron left, which was a quarterback for the herd way, way back in the day. And that was before App State made their jump and beat Michigan. So we're talking Marshall and App State probably haven't played in football in about 18 years, I believe. Uh, so really kind of going to be fun to watch that on the 19th of September. So, you know, Marshall going to be fun. Happy for them to start off the season off right uh, and going to get a chance to kind of showcase themselves on national TV for the whole nation. And I hope it goes well for them. Uh, no, I, I like I said, I, I do hope it goes well for them. Um, you know, like I said, it'll be an opportunity to to really showcase themselves and uh, of it. And, um, and I'm also, I'm excited to see what, you know, let's, let's look at what East Kentucky has. It'll be a good chance to kind of see what you're going to maybe be seeing the next weekend in Morgantown as well. So a lot of reasons to tune into that game on Saturday. Yeah, no, there, there is, there's, yeah. there's a, there's a ton of reasons. And so, um, you know, the eyes of the eyes of the state Mountaineer fans will be checking out Eastern right. Kentucky and you'll have a lot of guys uh, in our area, in the Charleston area, uh, tuning in mm-hmm. to, to, to watch a hometown kid uh, take the field. Right. Well, then, so, you know, Saturday, some other games Saturday, you got Middle Tennessee State and Army. So uh, Martel Petaway, a former Mountaineer going up against Army, who has a good program and a good team. That should be a fun game at around the same time. Uh, you have SMU and Texas State, Jake Spavadol going against, uh, you know, SMU, a Texas matchup there. And then, uh, you know, you, you get in here and, and it's the next game. And, and the reason I bring this team up in particular, you have an 8 p.m. kick in Arkansas State versus Memphis. Today, uh, Memphis's, Memphis's star running back, Gainwell, uh, last year he had almost 1,500 yards of re- rushing, 610 yards receiving, 16 total touchdowns. He says, I'm not playing, um, opts out. Uh, potential pro, but also supposedly had four members from, of his family die from the virus. So kind of decided that it wasn't necessarily in his best interest to play. But it goes along on the same day that Jamar Chase from LSU opts out. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing a lot of people starting to lean in that direction toward the opt-out. And it's crazy to think that, you know, Memphis is supposed to play here in six days. And their star running back finally says, eh, I'm done. LSU a little bit longer, obviously, there for them to kind of figure it out without Jamar Chase. But very interesting that t- players are now starting to, to do the opt-out. But I've noticed so far it does appear like it's kind of the upper echelon, the guys that maybe really have a chance at going pro that are opting out. Yeah, and if you're if you're at order on an LSU, uh, Jamar Chase hurts. Uh, he was going to be your, he was going to be your number one guy. Um, 
And when oh, you, undoubtedly. And, you know, I mean, obviously you're replacing, you know, Joe Burrow um, at quarterback. You were going to need a guy like him. Um, you know, Randy's kid went to the league um, and he, you know, he had a year of eligibility left, but he left early. Um and he didn't even get drafted, if I'm not mistaken. No, he Thaddeus signed. Boston. Yeah, Thaddeus signed as an un, undrafted free agent somewhere. I can't remember where though. He signed with somebody. Um, you know, obviously uh, that Jefferson kid who went in the first round. Uh, he was a big part of their wide receiving core last year. Um, the Jamar Chase one shocked me a little bit, but then again, if you think about it too, like you said, you know, he was going to be a guy that I don't know. I'm not so sure he. Um, was really going to hurt his draft stock any. Um, Cause I mean, obviously yeah. scouts are going to take into consideration. Um, hey, you're the number one guy. We're not really sure who else was with him in that receiving core new quarterback. I don't know if there was much he could have done to improve his stock or hurt it. So. I mean, I think you would have had questions. He, he, he might've been able to showcase himself with a lesser quarterback than Burrow. But the reality of it is if Burrow is a pro quarterback and he's a pro wide receiver, then you've seen him. How how good he could be? Yeah, he's, I mean, he had twenty yeah. touchdowns last year. Yeah, he's eighty four catches. Yeah, he's seventeen hundred eighty yards. I mean, yeah, he's a day one. Yeah, he's a day one wideout. I mean, let's let's yeah. not kid ourselves about that. So the, I, the I, only difference might have been CJ. Maybe hey, he he might have been a top five guy, or maybe he's now in, now in the middle of the second round type of thing. That's really the only difference I see in that scenario. Yeah, and a lot of that too plays out to who ends up picking where and need and all of that. So And let's and let's be real here too about this real quick. I know we're talking about LSU. Don't feel too sorry for him that Jamar Chase isn't there. No Burrow. Yeah, they've lost a lot of weapons, but I'm sure that they've been recruiting well down there and that by the time we get to maybe November, the way the season's gonna set up this year, LSU's offense will probably be humming. It, yeah, I mean, it, it probably will be. I mean, they can they can recruit, um, you know, but um, obviously that that's going to hurt them a little bit. Um, obviously, like you said, they've still got some time to kind of figure it out and replace him a little bit. And, yeah, I mean, they, they don't out. kick it off till September 26th, and they're going having a home game with Mississippi State. So, plenty of time for them to kind of get some of these guys a little bit more acclimated and ready to go. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't – trust me, I don't feel bad for a for a program like that where they can pretty much just kind of reload. But, um, yeah, like I said, I, that's going to be a team I think that's that's going to be interesting to watch um, so, to kind of so see. But they're going to step back definitely in that Let's conference. just bring this up real quick here, though, because, okay, we just brought up how the SEC doesn't play until September the 26th, right? But yet – in our first poll, you had 12 teams between the Big Ten and the Pac-12 that are ranked. How in the hell is a voter going to sit here and look at a team and have to vote in a poll every week, right? And then the SEC hasn't even kicked off till till September the 26th. None of their teams are playing till then. I mean, how are the voters going to deal with that? I, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, like, is there any reason to have another poll until teams really start playing? Uh, yeah, I it don't. Seems to I me don't like think it's kind of a waste of time. Yeah, but then again, but then again, the two weeks later, the ACC's playing games against the conference. That you know, in the Big Twelve, starting their their the non conference games, and then so maybe there is reason to have that poll. But it's just crazy to me how the SEC's not going to play till the twenty sixth. And hey, we're probably just going to keep about four teams in the top ten from the SEC just because it's the SEC. Yeah, well, see, and I've always kind of been a proponent of waiting till probably like week f- five to come out with that first poll. 
I mean, I get it. The preseason polls, they sell magazines. They they fill air for, you know, Sports Center and for guys like Colin Cowherd. I, I get it. Um, and it's fodder for fans. They're like, oh, look where our team is. You know, but I mean, come on, let's be real. The last five years, we've known Alabama's going to be one, two, or three. Let's be real. Um, it is it is great for recruiting, though. It's fun. It, it's fun. To, and, and it builds that hype leading into the season. So I don't want them to take away the polls. I just don't understand how they're going to actually do it this year in particular. Yeah, I just my, – my thing is, is, is like – because we've seen it now. Granted, it doesn't happen a lot. I think it's only happened maybe a couple of times. But I can remember, I think it was like four or five years ago, USC was preseason number one. And by the end of the year, they struggled to win seven games. So it was kind of like, ooh, maybe we missed that one. That's always kind of been my thing because, unfortunately, I look at it as, okay, well, that's all well and good. You start at preseason number one. Basically, you have one trip up, you're okay, but if you're a program like WVU who comes out of the gate one trip up and you're done, and it's kind of like, eh, maybe we need to back off this a little bit and, and let these kids get some games in before we release a poll. You know, this isn't high school. This isn't, you know, this, this matters because where you finish in a poll is going to cost a coach either money or a job. Like one of the two, yeah. so I've always kind of been a refrain on backing off on that just just a little bit. You know, let them get a couple of games under their belts, and then let's and because then you're really going to be able to get a true measurement and rank. Because really, the first two weeks, it's off potential and history, and sometimes oh, that's and, not and, fair to programs. And sometimes you have good matchups in between there too. You know, so I mean, you you do see it here and there. Now, CJ, I'll tell you, I mean, it's crazy, too, to look at it and say, okay, well, that first weekend, there's there's not a ton of meat on the bone. I mean, when you're 8 o'clock games in Arkansas State-Memphis game, don't get me wrong, Memphis has been building something there. Arkansas State's a solid bowl team every year. But, you know, Norvell's gone to, to Florida State now from Memphis, so that's just that's your primetime game. Okay. Now, granted, at least the Monday night are pretty cool – BYU Navy game. I'll be really interested to check in that on that one. I, I think that's kind of a the marquee of the of the week one of the week one matchups. And it's like, okay, you turn the calendar to week two, and at least now you're finally going to see some conference games, and you're going to see some some of the teams that at least have a number beside them in that initial poll. Strap it up and play. Yeah, you are, and that's that's going to be kind of the interesting thing is, and that's one thing college football fans as a whole I think have complained about. Um, for a pretty good stretch is, is really the first handful of games usually are pretty pretty bad. Um, you're going to get into some better matchups earlier, um, which will be nice. Um, but I think just the, the whole stretch of, oh, man, we got college football back. We're going to be you – know, let's just go um, is going to drive a lot of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think some of those ratings, ratings are going to be much, much, much better. Yeah, because you you're, you're God, like maybe said, for even for a normal week, even maybe. Yeah, maybe because I mean you're still gonna have some clunkers. I mean, you know, like does really? I mean, what do you? I mean, really, like Oklahoma, Missouri State, like really, what are we gonna get out of that? God only knows. You know, so I, you know, but you know, you may end up with some. Spencer some Rattler might win the Heisman that day in the in the minds of some media people, probably. Yeah, I that I mean that's really it all. I see what's going to happen, but I mean, you're like I said, you're going to have some of those early on still where you're like, wow, really? But you know what? It's college football. We got it back. Let's just be happy about it. I tell you what, it's going to be kind of fun though. Like that second weekend, Clemson goes to Wake, Duke and Notre Dame. Um, 
You've got Tulsa, Oklahoma State, so kind of a chance to kind of do an early scout on Oklahoma State, ranked 15th. Syracuse, North Carolina. Uh, just, you know, ACC's at least given us something there early, early on. Um, and by the way, do we have a time for that Mountaineer game? Is that for... a, Do we have an official time for the North Kentucky, for the Eastern Kentucky game? I'm on ESPN right now, and I don't see one yet. I don't think we do. I guess we're in that 12-week window or whatever here because yeah, there's such there's... little games that we might actually see that one on a bigger network than just the typical AT&T Pittsburgh that you would normally see West Virginia games on. But you know what, though? That that went away after last year, though, because of the whole Big 12 Now contract, I remember. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's where that's going to get pushed to. I could see that being a like a noon kick probably on ESPNU. Um you know, because they, I mean, ESPN still has to fill games on the U, the Deuce, and regular ESPN. That's, they got a lot of, they got a lot of, a lot of timing, a lot of programming they got to fill. Yeah. Cause I mean, even if, yeah. Cause even if you, as you scroll down through there, I mean, all of them are, you know, outside of, I mean, obviously, you know, the Notre Dame Duke game is going to be on NBC. Um, but I mean, all the times are still kind of to be announced. So uh, they're, yeah, they're they're kind of waiting on those windows just to kind of see where to where to plug everybody and put everybody out. SMU TCU is probably going to get some big billing that weekend, I would imagine. Uh, Louisiana Tech Baylor's not terrible. Um, I mean, yeah. but you know, also too that I mean, I would imagine this year you're going to see more six six day windows than ever before because why would it? Why would a network want to try and Try and take take on a time uh, for a game, and then potential COVID tests pop up, and then you don't have that game anymore. Yeah, that's yeah. So I mean, there, there's going to be some. Yeah, I think you're definitely going to see a lot of those six day windows opted for just to just to help. But yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, ESPN's got windows to fill. Obviously, Fox and ABC have windows to fill. <laughs> um, you know, so that you know, that's going to play into it. The past, CJ obviously always was. Oh well, the fans don't know when we got to you know got to show up. Well, it doesn't really matter this year. Yeah, that that's not going to play. I think it's is quite of as a factor in, in helping with you know. I think that's kind of what hurt it in the past. Is it's like well, we got to get times out because we want to make sure fans have plenty of advance warning or notice. Because um, in certain areas they may be traveling further. Um, this year, obviously, you're going to be able to to not have to stress on that that aspect of it quite as hard. It's not going to be something that we're going to – not going to be something that's going to be worried about. I wonder if college football, you know, in the places that they're not going to allow fans, like, is WVU going to have any cutouts like they had in baseball? Or are they going to have, like, the band, like, playing, like, over the speakers? I'm, I'm going to be interested to see how the product looks. Because last night it seemed – and no offense to Austin Pay in Central Arkansas – felt a little high schoolish crowd-wise. Granted, it's a neutral site and – but it, it felt that way, right? You you had a little energy in it, obviously, but it wasn't necessarily a robust big time crowd. So are we going to feel that more this year? Maybe more high school type crowds at these college games? I think that's what you're going to see, right? Yeah, I think that's going to be the feel. And the interesting thing is going to be is is if with either no fans or even a very small capacity of fans, think of what some of these stadiums are going to look like, like Bryant Denny Stadium. Like just oh, yeah. how empty that's going to feel. Um, so it's going to be interesting show to see. It, I mean, I, I don't think you Fox is going to CGI stuff. 
they did it for yeah, baseball. They're gonna do you're probably going to see some CGI stuff in there. Uh, you may see some stadiums, um, you know, maybe tarp some seats, especially in the upper decks. Oh, you'll um, see tarps everywhere. I mean, that's, that's almost a guarantee. So you if may you see, can. yeah, you may see some schools go into those cardboard cutouts just to kind of try and give it some kind of ocular feel. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's going to be interesting, but yeah, I do think you're going to you're going to have that kind of that high school feel to it a little in the bit. End though, but CJ, the, ah. the TV product for football is very much on the field anyway. Whereas I think sometimes a basketball, definitely a baseball TV product, you see a little bit more of the the surroundings around it. Football, you're typically just seeing the sidelines and the players. I, now you'll get crowd shots when the when the game's not going on. You'll the get actual game shots. itself, you, you're not going to be able to tell if there aren't fans there if they pump the crowd noise and everything in there for the most part. Yeah. During the actual gameplay itself. Yeah, I think what's going to hurt is is when you had some, you know, obviously like Penn State had their annual whiteout. Um, you're not going to have that ocular view. Oh, you're not going to you have know. the atmosphere. You're not going to have the energy of a blackout at, at you know, that every, it seems like every team was doing against West Virginia in the early 2000s. You're not going to have the Penn State whiteout. You're not going to have the stripe, the stadiums, the gold rushes, any of those types of things. You're not going to have those, obviously. But if they can, if they can create the TV product still enough with enough energy, with stadium pumping sounds, and maybe the bands will be allowed to play and, and all that, I think you can still create that television product for people to where they're like, okay, maybe I don't really realize that this is still going on this way. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be some ways you can you're going to be able to do that. Um, obviously, pumping in the stadium noise will be will be big, um, you know. But I, I think I, I think the television execs have <clears throat> kind of been able to view what some of the pro sports have done um, and gone, okay, yeah, you know, we can do it for them, we can do it for here, um, and they're they're going to find ways to be creative and and still put on a a, a good TV product. Um, a product the fans want to see um, without it being overtly to, wow, I'm really just in my living room instead of in Morgantown or in Huntington or yeah. in Tuscaloosa or wherever you may be. Um, see, let me tell you this one real quick. I, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at games, right? Television product in general, talking about television. Because the SEC is not playing until the 26th, on the 19th, this would typically be a Tennessee-Florida-like weekend, or you might see you know, a, an early-season SEC matchup. You're going to get BYU and Army on CBS. CBS, like the main network, on a 3.30 kickoff on a Saturday from Army Stadium. Now, you tell me that's not a, a absolutely great opportunity for Army. Because, you know, Army-Navy – those two schools in particular, yeah, they have the great rivalry, great game tradition, but they don't ever get to show off their campuses and, and their stadiums and stuff on that level. So maybe by the time that rolls around for Army, maybe they'll have some fans there. Michi Stadium's one of the best uh, visuals in college football that there is, and that'll be fun to see that, getting some, getting some prime time, not prime time, but some national coverage uh, in that week three. I mean, it's, it's crazy, though. It's, it's uh, just, just wild to think that this is what we're getting this year. Yeah, it is. And that's going to be the, the cool thing about it too, is you're going to have an opportunity for some, 
for some programs uh, to be on TV um, that typically don't get that shot. Um, you know, um, Army's one of them. Navy tends to be on a little more than others. So some of that's mm-hmm. conference affiliation. Army, um, Navy are on that CBS Sports Network a ton. You just right, don't get but, to see them on the big stages. You don't see Army on ESPN very much. You see them on that CBS Sports Network. You see Navy on CD. there occasionally because of that American deal and CBS right. because of the Army Navy game itself, right. but never on the Army campus. Right. And I think that's going to be kind of cool. Um, you know, we talked about Marshall's going to get an opportunity for that. I think you're going to see a lot more of the Conference USA schools kind of get that opportunity. Um, you know, um, especially early. Now, especially once, early. Um, uh, once it gets to 26, once we're in October, eh, maybe not that, so much. Yeah, that may change a little bit. Um, you know, I think a school that could really capitalize on this, um, and it's a team you're high on, is Cincinnati. Um, yep. If Especially if they're playing well and they're coming down into that stretch and it's like, man, they're still kind of undefeated. They're still, you know, top 15. They could start really getting a lot of plug, and that could be a huge boost for their recruiting. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and speaking of, they actually had a recruit offered a kid from South Charleston uh, this weekend. Uh, sophomore, actually. So Cincinnati's hitting the ground hard trying to get kids. They're ranked 20th to start the season, too, CJ. I mean, Fickle, Fickle's a hell of a coach. Um, and they'd be an, they're an interesting, very interesting team. They play Austin Pay. They're going to have Army. And then they get into that comp, to that American, excuse me, conference USA, that American schedule. Um, you know, they're they're an interesting squad. Uh, man, I will tell you what, though, I mean, in the end, I, we've never we have. I guess we haven't really got into this, and I, and I and I and I'd like to know, playoff wise, without there being a Big Ten there, without there being a Pac-12, is the American going to slide in there as the fourth? team in the playoff or are we going to see two teams from the sec i I mean i'd love to see two from the big 12 i don't think it's a possibility and i don't think you're going to get two from uh the acc either more than likely well you count uh, okay well we're counting notre dame as as an acc member uh, they're an acc team this year buddy yes i I know we've talked about that um i i think there's going to be a possibility for that um however i don't it's it's gonna have to be it's gonna have to you're they're gonna have to run the table i don't think a one loss is going to help them um right because you're going to end up probably with two SEC schools, uh, a one loss, Georgia, and an undefeated Alabama. Well, just for or, craps or and, however it works out. Right. Well, just for craps and giggles, let's go with that scenario. Um, yeah. They're more than likely going to be in. Uh, your Big 12 champ, as long as they don't have two losses, they'll be in. Um, and then obviously your ACC champ, which is more likely going to be Clemson. To me, that's how I feel like it plays out. Um, now, if Cincinnati would run, let's say Cincinnati runs the table, and they look impressive, Cincinnati or you, you, UCF, either one. I mean, I think yeah, uh, those would be your team, teams you're looking at, probably. right? Um, let's, but let's let's just say Cincinnati runs the table because for UCF, I mean, they've still got some postponed games on there that they don't really know what's going to happen with yet. That could affect them a little bit. Um, is let's say Cincinnati runs the table, uh, you got a Big Twelve champ with one loss. Um, Let's say Bama runs the table, wins the SEC. Um, 
you know, Clemson shouldn't lose a game this year. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's, play Notre Dame. They might they play do. Notre Dame a couple times. I mean, they, yeah, he's not terrible, but it is. You're correct in saying they shouldn't lose a game. Yeah, but, I mean, that's just that's a ton of talent Davo's got down there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. Now, what I could see happening is is where maybe Cincinnati ends up, or UCF, even at undefeated, maybe staring at that five spot. That's still not a bad finish for them. That's still a New Year's Six bowl. That's a pretty – that's a really good finish, especially for that program. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think if they run the table, depending on how things fall out, yeah, you, you they may be sitting there looking pretty because there's not – I mean, let's be honest, because we kind of went down the Big 12 schedule a couple of weeks ago. There's a potential the Big 12 champ could have two losses. Do they, do, you, do do you give them a nod over an undefeated Cincinnati? I don't know. To me, I I I wouldn't think so. But crazier things have happened once you put a committee in a room. So I oh I, you know for sure, um you know they have they do they do i think what it have i think they do have what it takes as compared to here i like the riddler kid i think that's he is he alone can sit there and make some plays for them whereas i mean i guess gabriel's a really good player too so you know which way do you look at it there for ucf i mean i don't i don't think that they are what they have been though by no means you know so but interesting, I you know it almost it almost feels like you are going to have one of those two teams make a make a serious serious run. Yeah, I, I think somebody will. Um, my bet. I don't know which one is going to be on Cincinnati, but I think one of the two will. Um, you you've kind of sold me in talking about them. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that how that ends up playing out. Um, if if there was ever a year, if, if there was ever And it, it's a it's an it's a November twenty first game, CJ. So if, it's going to be if, the very last yeah, second. To if last the group week of five want to crack it, this is those the year two teams are going to go at. If, if you can't so get it done this year, I don't know if there is a one once they get there. Right. Well, I mean, you you UCF has eight returning starters on the offense side of the ball, eight on the defense. So they've got some talent there. Cincinnati, though, has 10 returning starters on defense and five on offense, including a quarterback and running back. So those are by far the two teams that I think you look at and say, okay, they're going to be the teams that are going to make that run. You know, you look at it, the, there's, you don't have to worry about the Mountain West this year. There's no Boise in the equation because they're waiting until the spring. Which, by the way, CJ, let's, let's talk about this real quick. What in the bloody hell – is the Big Ten trying to do right now? Talking about playing at thanks, talking about playing at Thanksgiving now. Somehow, I, I know you probably saw this clip. Van Pelt is a hundred percent right. How can you tell me that you couldn't play? You can't play now, but you're going to be able to play in Thanksgiving when most people think that's when the other people are going to be done playing. I, it, it makes no sense. What the hell changes medically from today till Thanksgiving? Yeah. That you decided that you could play football now and you couldn't play then. I don't. I think I know one thing that changes after November. 
The first half is in the books here on this two-parter here with CJ. Uh, we hope you come back and listen to part two. In the part two, we're going to figure out what the hell is going on in the Big Ten. Uh, are they really going to play two Rose Bowls? <laughs> Seems like a little bit of a stretch to me. We'll get into the SEC. Of course, we'll touch on the Mountaineers as well. We hope to have you along for part two here with myself and CJ as we continue to kind of get geared up for college football. It's September now. Wake up, wake up. It's the first of the month. And uh, college football is going to be back on our televisions before we know it. Can't wait for the weekend. Part two coming up here shortly. Hope we hope you join us for that. Thank you. <laughs>